It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Pirates, your daily Pittsburgh Pirates podcast of choice. My name is Jason Rolison, and in addition to finding me on LockedOnPirates.com, you can find me at PiratesBreakdown.com, and also in some print papers around the Pittsburgh region, you might have heard of those, as well as other online outlets. Back with you with what is our second actual episode of Locked On Pirates, and in case you missed it, Locked On Pirates is going to be your daily Pirates podcast to get you through the 2018 season. Up until opening day, we're going to kind of scuffle around a little bit, do some preview pieces, bring in some guys to talk about what to expect for the 2018 season, that kind of thing. But then again, once we hit opening day, we are daily. So today, I want to talk about, it's kind of an interesting topic, what I think to be the three most important players on which the 2018 Pirates season will swing. And by that, I mean these three players really need to perform for the Pirates to have any modicum of, of success. And of course, right now, the big debate in Pittsburgh and among Pirates fans is, what determines success? Let's start there. For me, I think success means winning anywhere between 75 to 85 games. I think that's a realistic goal with the talent the team has. And looking around the landscape of the National League, that may ultimately be the ceiling. But I still think it's an attainable one at the very least. Okay, now with that being said... These three players are going to push that total either to the south end of that projection or worse, or towards the 85-win ceiling that I think is the ceiling for this team. I'm going to start with starting Marte. And obviously everyone wants to know about Marte is the simple fact that is he the same player? He was suspended 80 games for performance-enhancing drugs, as everyone knows. Totally derailed the Pirates season before it even began. And you wonder what he's going to do when he comes back. If this is a guy who felt enough pressure in 2017, going into 2017, to turn to illicit substances to kind of get an edge. So you have to wonder if 2018 is going to apply those same pressures to Marte, whether they be self-inflicted, if they come from a sense of internal you know, strife where he just does not believe in his ability, or if they come from the external pressures, family, agents, uh, fans, front office. You have no idea and will never have an idea of the internal pressures that a ball player faces and the external ones as well. But I think it's entirely fair to ask the question if Marte is going to press and perhaps derail some of the progress he's made over his uh, five-rod major league seasons. And when Marte first broke into the league, he was a very free swinger. 27.1% strikeout rate in 2012 when he broke in. He worked that all the way down to 18.6% last year and 19.7% the year before. So here's a guy who's really worked to be a more complete hitter at the plate. And it really started the show in the latter half of 2016, his all-star season. Marte put up a 3.9 F4 season that year, which was right around his league, excuse me, his four-year average, uh, 4.1 to that point. So this is obviously a very, very productive player when his head's on right and when he's playing freely. So for the Pittsburgh Pirates in 2018, you really have to wonder if Marte is, I don't want to say a shadow of himself, but if he is perhaps, let's say, a two-win player instead of the four-win player, then you're really starting to wonder you know, how much production they're losing out of him compared to the highs they've seen before. I mean, we talked about his F4, but let's talk about his weight of runs created plus. Uh, 2013, 122. 2014, 132. 15, 115. 16-119, and last year, of course, in a disastrous season, he was a 91. 
but that's consistent above average production. Uh, he's worked, like I say, he's worked to increase his uh, plate discipline. And in 2016, hit 311, was on base at a 362 clip. Slug 456, you know, he's good for, you know, an automatic 30 doubles when he's healthy at the very least. Uh, he flashed 20 plus home run power in 2015 with 19 in 633 at bats. So I think for the Pirates to be pretty pleased with starting Marte in 2018, I think uh, a three win a three win season is going to be about the floor for them to get what I consider to be good production for Marte. And him doing so, him putting together an all-star caliber, approaching all-star caliber season can be very transformative for this lineup. Suddenly, Josh Bell gets better pitches to hit, presumably batting behind him. You know, presumably Marte gets a chance to steal more bases and perhaps put a little more pressure on opposing pitchers uh, at the top of the order. Or if his power stroke comes back, you suddenly have a dynamic hitter who can bat fourth or fifth for you. There's a lot of different ways Marte's season can go, and that is true for defensively as well. You also wonder if he'll be able to handle center field consistently. Now, going into 26, 2017, excuse me, everyone was clamoring for Andrew McCutcheon to be taken away from center field. And the crux of that argument, among other things, be it McCutcheon's supposedly weak arm, McCutcheon's declining range in center, but the thing people kept coming back to is that starting Marte has got a much better fielder. And he was, you know, statistically speaking. In left field, Marte could rack up some assists, really hold the running game from opposing teams to a to a very station to station, not extra base kind of attack. But the not so hidden truth is that in 632.2 innings at center field in his career, Marte is worth a minus three defensive run save as per fan graphs. Now, here comes the chicken or the egg kind of thing. You know, is it because he doesn't play that position regularly, even though he's very much uh, equipped to handle it athletically? Or is there really something where his game does not translate to center field, especially in PNC Park? Time's going to tell on that, and I think the Pirates are going to have to see at least solid defense from him before they have to go ahead and reconfigure their outfield again, which is something Clint Hurdle clearly does not want to do. The one thing you might want to do is advertise on Locked On Pirates. As we said at the top, Locked On Pirates is a daily Pittsburgh Pirates podcast, so the chance to get your business's message in front of a lot of ears, is that the right syntax? I'm not sure. To get your business's messages heard by a lot of ears is to advertise on Locked On Pirates. We have very good rates, very reasonable. And uh, you can email me at lockedonpirates at gmail.com, and we'll get a deal going for you. And soon you'll be hearing yourself alongside these dulcet tones. The next player that I think would be a major cog to determine if the Pirates would be successful or not in 2018 is third baseman Colin Moran. Now, of course, Colin Moran is one of the pieces that came over in the Garrett Cole trade from Houston. He is going to be given, quote, every shot to start a third base, end quote, as per manager Clint Hurdle. As per every single person who analyzes Pirates baseball or baseball, for that matter, this team seemed destined to go out and get a third baseman of some kind with Young Ho Gong, you know, really just out in the void and presumably not coming back to Major League Baseball. So not only will Moran's performance pretty much dictate whether the Pirates quote unquote won the Garrett Cole trade, especially in fan opinion, but it'll also go a long way towards replacing lost production with Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, for all of his faults and all of his perceived warts, McCutcheon still was a productive player in 2017. The franchise icon takes to San Francisco with him 28 home runs, 94 RBI, a 122 WRC+. Plus. So, and a 207 ISO for that matter. So not only was he 
showing home run power. He was also showing doubles power uh, with, uh, let's see, 30, 30 in 2017. So that production has to be recreated somewhere. You can only count on a step forward from Josh Bell accounting for so much. You can only count for so much of starting Marte returning to his previous highs to recreate some of that. Where else is it going to come from? You can also say Gregory Polanco needs to bounce back. These are all very big ifs. And Moran's production at third base is also one of those ifs. A lot of people that criticize Moran like to talk about his launch angle only being in place for a season and a half. You know, maybe and that's in the minor league times as well. So you wonder if his launch angle revolution, so to speak, is a lasting thing. What I think might happen, and something to watch for, is that, listen, with teams having such robust analytics and scouting departments nowadays, there is absolutely no chance that Colin Moran's launch angle improvements that led to more power have gone unnoticed by rival clubs. The Cardinal scouts are going to know about that. The Cubs scouts are going to know about that. And I think Moran's going to see a lot more high fastballs and some curveballs and stuff low and away, stuff that he can't drive. It's going to be up to Moran to really be selective. And as we talked about before, sure, he saw the power increase in the PCL in his last minor league season. He also became a patient hitter along the way, pretty much hovering right around a, a 9.5 walk rate. He had 10.3 in AA, a full season AA in 2015. 2016 had 9.2% and that exact same rate in a full season. The world amounts to kind of a full season in AAA in 2017, 80 games. Um, so He's going to have to lay off the pitches at a major league level. And here's the thing about Moran, guys. He has 16 games of experience at the major league level. All right? So how much patience will the Pirates have with him? Uh, like I said, 16 games under his belt in the major league level. How, is, how are the Pirates going to handle it when he hits his first rough patch? And he will hit that. Absolutely. Uh, perhaps this is the season for him to hit, you know, hit a prolonged rough patch and still start every day at third base. That's something to consider. But if he does hit one of those patches, you're going to have a, you know, kind of a black hole bat towards the bottom of the order that really is not going to help the Pirates produce runs, which seemed to be a problem last year. So the last person I'm going to talk about today on this quick snapshot of three players who could really affect the Pirates' production next year is Yvonne Nova. Look, Yvonne Nova does not have to be the 2016 Pirates version of Yvonne Nova. But number one, he has to come as close to 200 innings of 3.75, 4.0 FIP ball as possible. Um, what I don't like about Nova, and it really reared its ugly head last year, he has next to no strikeout ability. I think for his career, he hovers right around a 6.6K 6.6 per nine. I'm looking at it right now, and it's actually, yes, a 6.66. That's not a good number. Um, he had a 6.3 rate in 2017 with the Pirates. In his amazing few months with the Pirates in 2016, he had a 7.24 rate. Now that's kind of where you want to see, you know, not every pitcher is a Randy Johnson type or even a Chris Sale, Max Scherzer type. Not a lot of pitchers can go out there and, you know, strike out, put up gaudy strikeout totals, 10, 12 strikeouts, you know, in a start. But I think if you have a starter who can hover around the 7.0K per nine mark, you're really, you really got something to work with. Uh, and also his K percentage, which is just the percentage of batters he faces that ends with a strikeout, was 16.7%, which would put him 46th among qualified Major League pitchers. If you want to talk about just raw swing and miss ability, which for me, I kind of put a little more stock into because if a pitcher is not a classic strikeout pitcher, 
It's good to know that they can still get a swing and a miss when they need it. Perhaps they have an out pitch like a curveball or you know, a hard-breaking slider or, or great control. Something they can go to if they need to get back into it at bat. You know, swing and miss is not always just about racking up strikeouts. It's a tool that the pitchers can also use to get back to a favorable count. Among pitchers last year, baseball-wide, with at least 50 swings and misses, Ivan Nova ranked 406th out of 476 pitchers with a 9.01 rate. In case you're wondering, the leader in this regard is Craig Kimbrell, uh, the seemingly ageist reliever of the Boston Red Sox who racked up swing and miss at a 20.82%. If we filter that down to just starting pitchers, you know, Von Nova's rank may look a little better. It does, slightly. Among pitchers, starting pitchers that is, he'll rank 142nd with swing and miss percent again at 9.01. The leading starter, any guesses? Okay, it's Max Scherzer, like we said, at the top, 16.75%. You know, those are guys who can uh, really just rack up the strikeouts, and that's their kind of pitcher. Corey Kluber was second at 16.42%. Chris Sale in the top five at 15.9%. Clayton Kershaw, the best pitcher of our generation. Ivan Nova obviously does not have to be Clayton Kershaw. No one is really asking him to. But it would be really nice to see a little more swing and miss, a little more deception from Ivan Nova, even if he doesn't rack up the strikeouts. And, you know, one way he can get there is perhaps to use his curveball a little more. Uh, this is kind of an overarching thing, but the Pirates really wanted to reemphasize the curveball last year. Um, you kind of look at the way they're constructing their pitching staff, their starting pitching staff going into last season. Um, you saw Jameson Tyon, who has a great curveball. Tyler Glasnow was billed as having a hammer curve, didn't quite get there to put it together yet. Um, Ivan Nova actually used his curveball quite a bit during his New York days the tune of having a 25.83% usage in New York, and the Pirates, when they acquired Nova, actually had him throw more curveballs, and during his time in 2016 with the Pirates, he threw 29.96% curveballs, but the results were pretty good. When Nova was in New York in 2016, uh, he threw, like I said, the 25.83% curveballs, but only 41.9 of those landed for strikes, and now we have to be very clear, when we're talking about strikes in this case, that includes whiffs, called strikes, and fouls. Uh, when he came over to Pittsburgh, right around about 4%, 4% more usage, 52.3% strikes. So much more effective. And one last footnote about how the Pirates were really chasing curveball usage in 2016 and going into 2017. Their chief offseason target, everybody knew that year, that offseason, 2016 going into 2017, was Jose Quintana, who throws... 41% curveballs in 2016 with the Chicago White Sox. So the Pirates really are going to reemphasize the curveball. We saw it last year. We're actually going to be talking about that on PiratesBreakdown.com coming up very soon. And I think in today's MLB, that's a great idea. So for nobody to get a little more deception, perhaps he needs to go back to really emphasizing that curveball. One thing that we're all about here on Locked On Pirates is fan interaction, listener interaction. And we really want to get you guys involved. So to that end, I put up the three guys we talked about today, starting Marte, Colin Moran, and Ivan Nova, onto a Twitter poll. Pirates Breakdown's Twitter feed, which is at PBC Breakdown. I asked, among those three Pirates, which of them must have a successful season for the club to have a fair share of winning games, whatever number that may be, everyone has an opinion. Uh, right now, as we speak, this poll has been up for about three hours. Ivan Nova has 18%, Colin Moran, 21%, and the leader in the clubhouse is starting Marte. Uh, so let's read some uh, 
reactions here from you guys, some additional info, some comments you guys want to give us instead of just voting on the poll. Marcus Cleaver, at Marcus Cleaver, writes, If Nova can eat up a lot of innings and show some kind of form, he can take a lot of pressure off of what is otherwise a very young and inexperienced pitching staff. That's a great point by Marcus right there. You know, Nova is the most experienced member of this pitching staff. You know, we all liked what we saw from Trevor Williams and Chad Cole last year. We know what we have in Jameson Tyon. And Joe Musgrove is very intriguing. But again, going back to my comments at the top, if Yvonne Nova can pitch 200 innings of quality ball or something approaching 200 innings of quality ball, I think the other pitchers will benefit quite a bit. Spencer, at S-P-N-C-R-M-R-T-N, writes, The Pirates' power output last season was abysmal. That's true. Uh, second to last in the majors with 151 home runs. And since the Pirates have starting pitching depth, Kingham, Holmes, Brault, and strong outfield depth, Meadows, Lupto, Bostic, I'd say Moran is the key. Great point. Moran, we talked a lot about his power at the beginning and kind of explained that launch angle changes, really trying to elevate the ball, served him well. I think also playing at PNC Park and hitting from the left side while being a notorious pull hitter is going to play well as well. The, the short porch in right field, you could easily see 20 home runs from Colin Moran this year, and I think his ceiling, playing half his games in PNC Park, is really going to be about 30 home runs. I really believe that. Uh, at Wagner to, Hope, to uh, Hopeless, who actually goes by at Wagner to Kutch on Twitter, very great Twitter follow. I recommend him highly. Says all three. Yep, can't argue with that. Don Olson, at Olson, O-L-S-E-N, underscore Don, says the star, the straw that stirs the drink for the Pirates will have to be Marte. Where there others step up from nowhere, he is the cog that will dictate the direction of the club now. Great point. All great points. And this is kind of what I wanted to get at with this podcast. We're sitting here debating which of these three will have the most impact on whether the Pirates have a winning season or not. And really, it's all three. And that's what happens when you have a club with so much talent so close together and so much potential talent so close together. There really is no one straw that stirs the drink, even though Don thinks it'll be Marte. Um, because with the talent being so much together, they're all going to have to play not quite at the peak of their ability, but they're going to have to be very productive, especially those three, for the Pirates to have a winning season. So that's it for today's Locked On Pirates. I really appreciate you listening, and guess what? We're in iTunes now. So you can go ahead and subscribe to us on your device. Uh, any kind of podcast catcher that connects to iTunes, Overcast, um, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, of course. You can search for Locked On Pirates and find our podcast and subscribe. We would love it if you would review as well. That really helps us out. So but I want to, right now, I want to thank you for listening. It really has been fun. We're kind of getting our feet wet, getting our feet under us here on Locked On Pirates. A lot of plans in the future. And even now, you can say you're one of the OGs with us since the beginning. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. My name is Jason Rolison. You can find me on Twitter in a few locales, at Rolison Writes, R-O-L-L-I-S-O-N Writes, at PBC Breakdown, and, of course, at Locked On Pirates. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.